Do you want to start a business to give your family more freedom? Do you desire to have a marriage that makes your friends jealous? Do you want to spend more quality time with your children? We are your hosts, Matt and Jocelyn Woodruff, and we cannot wait to share this journey with you. Welcome to our family-friendly podcast. Join our conversations where we talk about how to build a business that will give us the freedom we choose. Welcome to the Family Life Movement Podcast. Welcome to the Family Life Movement Podcast. Today we are joined by Teresa McCloy. She is the creator of the Real Life Process, an AAC, ACC, sorry, executive coach, accredited Enneagram professional, podcaster, and keynote speaker. Through training, coaching, and consulting, she serves her clients to move from living with their hair on fire to discovering clarity about the life they want to live each day and the business they want to lead. Partnering together with her own signature real life process and tools such as the Enneagram Typology Profile, Teresa guides clients to a fresh way of intentional living. Man, that's awesome. Teresa, I've known you for a while. Teresa, welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's so great to be here with you guys. We have already had so much fun and we're trying not to just be slap happy laughing, but this is going to be great. This is going to be fun. Well, <laughs> and the fun part is we've got a third co-host with us. Our daughter, Always. Naya, is currently with us. Hey, this is Family Life Movement, building a business around your family instead of through it. And that's why sometimes you just, you've got to get the kids involved, right? Sure. You That's might hear right. Her background a little bit. <laughs> I think she's doing the technology piece for us today. Yeah, a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, Teresa, tell us a little bit about how you arrived in this place in your life. Oh my gosh. Well, you, you know that I'm just a tad bit older than the two of you. So would you say arrive in this place in your life? Uh, I'm kind of in that second half of life season. Uh, we are empty nesters. And Dale and I live here on a working grain farm in central Illinois. And as you said, when you were talking about what I'm doing now, I'm currently working as a business coach and teaching my, my own process that I've developed and uh, loving doing that. But it has been a long journey to get to here, if that makes sense. And as we walk through life, we do lots of different things. So I have... Uh, been a music teacher in my own home. I've had a music studio. So you'll hear entrepreneurial all through this uh, music studio. I've sold about everything imaginable. I've literally had 42 different jobs. So that's crazy when you're only 59. But if you start counting from the time you were like 12, right? When we started babysitting and doing all the things. I've probably worked at every fast food place there was through college. Um, I have owned my own retail business. I had a retail clothing store at one point in time that actually failed. So that was one of my failed businesses. And, and we can even talk about that when we talk about Dale and I's relationship and, and marriage, because that was a huge turning point for us in our marriage. And uh, then I was in ministry for about 15 years as a creative arts pastor and uh, technology and communications and music and worship and all the things uh, that ministry always involves. You always wear multiple hats. And then from that, when I decided to come home, do some things that were going on again in our family and come back to the farm and be here, 
I started working as a virtual assistant and which is an online, you know, I had about five or six clients through a company that I worked for. And I had several of my clients say, you know, you're not a virtual assistant, right? You know, you're a coach. And I'm like, I am. And so I started looking at coaching. I'd been introduced to coaching back when our son was in high school and he uh, suffered from ADHD and we hired a coach for him uh, to help him. And so I remember watching her do coaching with him and thinking, I could do this someday. So it's just kind of how our stories meld like a melting pot and come together and form like where we are now. Dale and I've been married 37, almost 38 years. Uh, we have a daughter who's 23. We had have a son also who passed away when he was 30. So about three years ago, we lost our son. And, and we can talk about that story a little bit too and how that all came to be. But long story short, that's how I got to here in my life. Wow, definitely some powerful experiences and just taking the things that life has kind of thrown to you mm -hmm. and making the most of them. That's something I love and admire about you. So oh, thank you. How have these different experiences brought you and your family closer together? I know that you had mentioned, you know, some different struggles and, and fun things when it comes to marriage and, and you mentioned your son passing away. So like, how did these different circumstances really bring your marriage together and bring your relationship with your daughter closer? Sure. So I'll, I'll kind of share Matt from two perspectives, one business and one personal, because the first one being uh, the story that I mentioned of having a business and uh, why I thought at, I don't know what I even was, 33, 34, somewhere around in there, was before we adopted our daughter and we did have our son, he was like in fifth grade, why I just thought I could own a retail business that had inventory that was very um, money, you know, just needed a lot of capital to function. Who knows what I was thinking? But uh, we'll talk about this at some point. I love the tool, the Enneagram. It's one of the tools I use in my business and I'm a type three. Well, a type three, when they're in an unhealthy side, kind of feels like they could fake anything till they make it. And they also have a huge fear of failure, even to the point where um, they will appear to be more successful than they are. And they will want to hold up that appearance. And I had a lot of that in me in my early 30s. And if you would have met me, you would have been, I was just in a very adaptive state, not authentic which is very typical of, you know, our younger years. And because of that, when I had that business, uh, I actually end up not being truthful with my husband about the amount of money that I had borrowed. Well, if my husband was on the podcast with us, you would know very quickly that he's a very conservative, old-fashioned farmer. And you don't deal with money in that way. It's just not the way either one of us was raised. But again, because of my fear of failure, I just kept thinking I could overcome it. I could do this. I could do. And so the bank was very generous with me to let me loan and borrow way more than I could ever pay back and make the business successful. So that time in our life, mid thirties, I don't even know exactly how old you guys are, but um, mid thirties, I have to go to my husband at some point and come clean, right? And um, those are some 
that's one of the most difficult times I ever experienced in our marriage of, and I, I don't say this lightly, but I do say it kind of jokingly in my husband's eyes. I, I'm say, I might as well have been telling him I was having an affair <laughs> because that was the amount of trust that I had broken with him. And, you know, by God's grace and mercy, we were able to work through that. We, uh, ended up paying off the debt. It took us almost 10 years to get out from under that experience. And, you know, praise God, it didn't cost us, uh, our farm or anything of that nature. And we were able to overcome it, but I was also able to gain back his trust, but it took a long time and a lot of work. Um, for us to really, it was one of the most, and you know, we had already dealt with infertility. Our, our son was adopted. We'd gone through some tough stuff already and overcome that. But that was one of, because that was on me, if you know what I mean, that was on me. That was mine to own. Um, and it was the beginning of a long journey for me of realizing some of my coping behaviors and, uh, wasn't for years till I was introduced to the tool of the Enneagram and be able to work through some of that. But that was one of our most difficult in the beginning. And then just a few years ago, you know, uh, when we lost our son, he actually passed away from an overdose and uh, was uh, dealt with heroin addiction, alcohol, lots of things. And that was a 10 year journey for us uh, from the time he was about 20 until we lost him. And Again, for a marriage to survive, that um, was quite quite a difficult journey as Dale and I both and our daughter all had to do our own work of recovery um, and how we dealt with it, how we dealt with Eric, our own relationships with him, uh, codependency, all the things that you go through. So those have been two of the most difficult uh, that, you know, again, I say very grateful um, to our faith has been a huge part of that, but how we've been able to walk through those things and, uh, come out on the other side, even stronger, um, in that. So. Yeah, I completely agree. I, you know, and this isn't a, you know, purposeful faith, you know, podcast and stuff like that. Our job is as podcasters is not to convince you to believe one way or another uh, and stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely people as faith that, that have faith I, I i just i i don't understand how people can get through painfully difficult times mm-hmm. like what you've been through and and losing your son and you know being able to talk about that and then some of the marriage problems and and stuff like mm-hmm. that i i, I and i you know i don't come from that that world but i can't imagine going through those yeah, things it, without having that hope and faith. You know, and I always say this, Matt, too. Um, and I think, you know, I know you guys fairly well in, in some aspects that as couples, uh, it's not just faith only. And I know that sounds like a weird statement, but because that is, you know, I, I believe that that is the highest power in all of those things. <laughs> and that God works in those ways, but we have to do our work too. And whether that is, we need counseling, whether that is, we need a coach, whether that is that, um, 
No, we need a mediator. <laughs> Whatever those tools are, we have to do our own work, right? And I believe that scripture, and again, I'm not, you know, preaching, but I believe that scripture tells us to go do those things and to uh, do the work that we need to do to be in the healthiest places we can be in. Um, we can't just sit around and, you know, blame everything on, you know, the creator that we're, you know, why these things are happening to us. We have to do, and I learned that a lot through Eric's story with recovery mm -hmm. of, you know, to recover <laughs> from anything, to be in a better place. I've learned it through the tool of the Enneagram too. We have to retrain ourselves. We have to retrain our brains. We have to learn new processes, new systems, new ways of doing things. I know Jocelyn and the work you do, right? I mean, you work with that all the time of yeah. like reach. That is what you do in the world that you live in. Is and exactly what we do is rewiring the brain essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, I always say that even as working with the Enneagram, you know, we're born in an authentic place. But we learn adaptive behaviors to cope along the way through childhood, through nature, nurture, free will, all those things. And then again, we get to a place in our life where we kind of have to relearn it again. And we keep relearning and retraining our brains. Marriage is like that. Every year, my mom used to, this is my mom's quote, but you'll have good years and bad years, not months, <laughs> years. Mm -hmm. And I love, I often look back on that and go, yeah, that was a bad year. Like that was a difficult season in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I totally believe, you know, sometimes you just got to tough it out. And the worst word I would ever use, it's not a swear word, was sometimes it sucks. Like sometimes it's bad, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you just have to go, but I'm in this for the long haul. And if your spouse can know that, even on the worst of days, the worst of months, the worst of years. And I know you guys have been there too. Mm -hmm. Like you just got to get through it and know that no matter what, I'm not out of this. <laughs> no matter what, yeah. I'm not out of this. And that's how you get through stuff, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes marriages a, a, you know, significantly stronger. Is there something <laughs> encouraging and motivating and inspirational that when something's rough or we have rough days, we have rough moments, we have mon rough months, or, you know, we might have had, uh, you know, a rough year is that I know that Jocelyn's not going to give up. I know exactly. that, that she is going to tough it out. I know that, you know, even when, you know, we were drowning in dead or we feel like we're on a hamster wheel that we can't move forward and stuff like that, that I know that I married someone who doesn't, believe in, in, in weakness and giving up and, and she's not just going to leave and say, you know what, forget all this, forget what I've worked for and that she's going to keep on chugging along. Yeah. Um, we agreed early on early. Uh, well, I think before we even got married that divorce was going to be our D word. It's not an option. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the worst word that we say in our household. <laughs> right. Um, that's a cuss right. word in our. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and and it's not, it's not an option and it's not, and I'm not saying it is wrong if you've walked through that. I don't mean that at all. Um, you know, I'm not in judgment of any of that. Just for, for Dale and I, the way that we have approached it is it can get really ugly sometimes like 
lying to your husband about the amount of debt that you have, mm -hmm. that's ugly. <laughs> you know, having to walk through the loss of your son is ugly. Having to walk through infertility is ugly. Um, lots of things that, uh, you know, after 38 years of marriage, you've walked through. And so you do look back and go, these were tough seasons. And we could have done some things differently along the way to make them stronger um, and to prepare us for some of those things. And, you know, if I had that wisdom to go back, uh, I, I would have. But in the end, we knew that the commitment that we make and we still do to this day, I'll be very transparent and authentic to say we had a really difficult conversation even just today because, right, we're recording this during a, a very difficult season as we're walking through these shelters in place. And even though we live on a farm and we can get out and about and whatever, it takes its toll mm -hmm. when you're cooped up and when you're done. And so, but even in the difficult conversation, we don't argue that much anymore, but we have very frank conversations. Um, we're getting too old to like, you know, scream, <laughs> do all the, <laughs> but we have very, difficult conversations sometimes. And, and there was one today. So it's not like, and I talked to my parents, both of my parents are still living. They're in their eighties, like 83 and 86. They still have different conver difficult conversations. And, you know, my mom and I are best of friends and she'll say, Oh, I'm aggravated with your dad. I mean, it's not, that's, this is marriage. This is what it is. Yeah. Um, so do you have any practical steps that you can you can that you use or would recommend that people use to encourage a stronger marriage i think you kind of touched on this a little bit but i did but i would say and again you know from uh the work that i do as a coach uh that i lean heavily on the tool of the enneagram and love what it tells us about each other and our behaviors and that has been really impactful for dale and i because, and we won't go into the whole Enneagram thing right now, but he is more of, he's a nine on the Enneagram. So if you know it, he is a peacemaker. He brings peace. And so he's much more of an away moving personality and I'm a three. So I'm like really forward, lots of energy. And so just learning that, and that sounds like a weird practical step, but just learning that, then I know how to approach him differently instead of poking the bear to get him to wake up and fight with me. Um, you know, I know to give him time to process when, when I, and I use lots of words, he doesn't use many. And so I know when I've kind of worded him out and I need to back up and just let him go to sleep. I don't really believe in that. Never go to bed angry thing because sometimes you need to, to let the steam off. And, and that's just us. But anyway, that, that is some of the things is the more you can discover about each other and learn about each other. I don't care if it's five love languages or it's a tool like the Enneagram or the disc or any of the things that can help you and then I also believe in having weekend getaways about every quarter, just 24 hours away. Um, you've got to find, you know, grandma and grandpa to babysit or whatever you have to do uh, to get 24 hours is super helpful, uh, especially in the early years with little ones like you guys have even. 
Yeah, the, the you know <laughs> date nights are are few and far between, and uh, <laughs> but you know that's you know we're, we're traveling and and uh, the girls get to experience things that neither one of us had a, a chance to as as uh, as kids. But I mean that's half the fun of of the experience, and uh, I mean that that's definitely something that we have looked into. You know the care dot com and and these different mm -hmm. babysitting services. So, well, or even trading it, like with another couple, you know, that you meet where you're traveling and staying and saying, hey, can we yeah. do a trade-off? We used to do a lot of that when I was in my younger years with kiddos. Oh, and, and that's actually something we talked to the neighbor about before this uh, trying time, I guess you could call it. <laughs> Sheltering uh, in place. <laughs> is we're like, hey, yeah, we, you know, we'll, we'll watch your daughter and, and you guys can go out and have a date night. And, you know, if you want three more kids for a couple of hours, we'll, we'll be more than happy to uh, let our kids play. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But it, it, it's fun and uh, keeps things interesting, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you shared a little bit about a wisdom about marriage and how things are going and, and different things and hardships. When you and your husband first got married, what were some of the things that you guys set up so that you guys would have a successful marriage? Well, Matt, I'll be honest to say uh, and that we didn't. <laughs> so I'll be very transparent and authentic to say, unfortunately, we didn't. And uh, I wish we would have had more of those conversations um, because I think it would have strengthened even those early years because we found out within the first year uh, of our marriage that we wouldn't be able to have children and that we were going to struggle with infertility. And so because of that, uh, I wish we'd have had some of those conversations. You know, I don't know that I would make a list and know exactly what all those questions and conversations would be, but um, I often laugh and say, you know, my husband really didn't even propose to me, to be honest. He said, do you want to build a house? Because he was going to build a house. And I'm like, oh, do you want me to live there with you? Is that, what, you know, like, are we getting married? And he's like, well, yeah, I thought that's what we were doing. You know, I mean, that's just kind of how we were. We're talking 38 years ago. So just go with it. Nobody did the big reveals and all the big engagement parties and weddings and all the things. Um, so so I wished we would have done more. I think it would have helped and I would recommend that. I'm, you know, my daughter's 23 and in a pretty serious relationship. And, you know, I'm always telling her like, have some of these conversations now, know where you're at around things like, you know, where you want to live, you know, what size of family do you want? What, what, uh, what, if you're going to have faith, a part of your relationship, and it's important, like, how are you basing that? Um, what do you see your life being, you know, Dale and I didn't do that. We were just madly in love and, you know, thought that would be the end all. And I think, you know, it, it wasn't enough. I wish we would have, it probably, not that your answer, what you're going to answer when you're in your twenties or thirties is going to be the same answer you're going to give at 40 anyway. But yeah, that's a great question. And, and I just have to answer it honestly to say we didn't, and I wished we had him. Yeah, I think one thing that Jocelyn's parents did that I hated at the time, but I really respect now, <laughs> is whenever I would say to Jocelyn, even throughout our engagement, 
you know, I would say, you know, Jocelyn, I love you. And they would say, you don't love her. You don't know what that is yet. You are madly unlike. And as a, even as a grown up, smart, like, smart people. Yeah. yeah you're like, Oh man, I get like, it, it felt like nails on a chalkboard. And mm-hmm. like even her, her, her dad, James sat me down one time and he goes, Matt, you, you don't understand that love. You don't, and he goes, I know it's, it's hard to understand where you're at right now, mm-hmm. but love is so much more than a feeling. Mm-hmm. Love is a choice that you make every day, regardless of how you feel. And I remember him saying those words and I'm like, well, here's this phenomenal woman. And, you know, of course, you know, I, I, I there's never going to be a day that, you know, we're, yeah, you know, we're not we're not going to fight or have this frank conversation. And then the day came, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I remember after we got married, and it was a couple years later. And the the, the thing was is that her mom always said, "You guys are madly in like." And I remember mm-hmm. a couple years after we were married, and her mom was in the room, and I said, "Jocelyn, I am madly in love with you." Mm-hmm. And her mom looked at me and said, and just kind of nodded her head and said. Now you, 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 you get it. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like I, I, I completely, and I think her mom doing that really set us up to kind of understand that difference between madly and like and madly in love with each other. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, it, it, like it held us back in some way so that when we were married, we could figure out this idea of love. And it's not that we have it figured out. We've been married for you know, 12 incredible years. And it's still something that I, <laughs> that I, <laughs> it's still oh, she's that so I excited that you got it right. <laughs> well, and anniversary, he said we had, or yeah, on our 11th anniversary, he said we had been married for 12 years or something like that. He was just, yeah, he was just looking ahead. Yeah, he was looking ahead with excitement. <laughs> but that is so true because when the tough choices come, the tough decisions, that's when you decide if you love or not like you know that's when you decide um yeah am am i in this for the long haul am i willing to work at it to make it better um all of those things and yeah i don't know you know in the beginning we're in we're in love but we're not in love <laughs> right so <laughs> infatuation is the first two to three years really of any yeah. relationship and and then stuff happens, you know, and, and yeah. And there's so many couples that like they dive into this idea of I'm in love with the idea and we're getting this a little bit of psychology now, but I'm in love with the idea of being in love. You know, I've seen my parents. I love what they've got. And they've got this incredible relationship. Of course, my parents don't argue in front of me. So I'm seeing the great stuff or my parents have all they've done is they've done it wrong and they've been divorced and you know, I'm the conqueror. I, I'll never make the same mistakes as my parents. Mm-hmm. And we do, we eat our words. Oh, most yeah. of the so time. Much. So much. And uh, you know, that is one thing I will say of uh, one of the previous questions I think you ask of, you know, what have you, what have you learned or what have you, what's made your family stronger is our children were, are both adopted, we're both adopted, and they were adopted 10 years apart. So, you know, uh, when Eric passed away at 30, Annika was 20. She was actually beginning, she'd already gone to college to 
do cosmetology, but she was beginning at a brand new college in her very first week of school when she lost her brother. And, but, you know, 10 years apart, but those 10 years that we walked that were so difficult with Eric, he was always a difficult child, but those 10 years, um, we were very honest with our daughter and she grew up very quickly because it started pretty much in her junior high years. And we did discuss in front of her and we did, you know, uh, we tried to keep it a very healthy environment as much as we could, but there was a lot going on in the home and there was a lot of stress and we didn't try to sugarcoat it, <laughs> uh, but we had very adult-like conversations with her very early on and she grew up fairly quickly because of that. She was seeing life and death situations that a lot of kids weren't having to deal with and we were trying to keep it as healthy as we could, but... Um, she saw the real and the raw of a marriage, of a family experience. And I think in the end, it has made her a very mature young woman for a 23-year-old you know, person because she's seen a lot and, and been through a lot in her life. And I don't regret, it might not have been the right decision for everybody, but I don't regret how we handled those situations with her uh, in that regard because... Uh, even in the end, even though Eric was in a very difficult place, we all had a very healthy relationship with them. That sounds crazy to say when you're dealing with someone with addiction, but we all had a very healthy relationship with him. We respected him and he respected us. And we made some really tough decisions with uh, boundaries and things with him in those final few years. But our daughter got to see us live those out and learn how to make difficult choices and how to put up boundaries rather than, you know, how to not be codependent with someone. So it modeled for her ways to do relationships. Well, not perfect. We did not do it perfect, but ways to do it well. And I, I'm, you know, I, I'm proud of how we walk through that even with her as a young adult, young woman. I, I can't even imagine, I mean, how challenging that is, you know, to, you know, you can't ignore her. No, <laughs> to parent one child. You, yeah, yes. I mean, you also need to be, you know, teaching her something through it, you know, and yeah, that, that's got to be real, this dynamics have got to be. And Jocelyn, I will say this too, as, um, as a mom, you know, with daughters, just even in the last year, it comes up quite often for my daughter and I, there's times I've had to go back now that she is a young adult living on her own. She's still in college and we're, you know, we're still supporting her in some ways, but she's very much on her own. And I've had to go back and say, Annika, I just want to apologize to you for this. Or I'm sorry that I wasn't as. Oh no. This, you know, um, so I've had to go back in different places and, and do some adult conversations with her as a young adult to just apologize to her and not in a way of shaming myself, but in a way of just being honest and real so that she can learn too, that we don't always get it right as parents. And, but we can have those conversations when the time comes later in their lives to say, Hey, you may not have known all that was going on. I know, Matt, you were talking before we started recording of conversations you've had with your parents, even 
apologizing for behaviors and whatever, that's when you're moving to a really healthy relationship, whether you're raising little ones like you guys still are, or whether you never stop parenting. <laughs> you, you know, it goes on. I hate to tell you this, but you guys have signed up for life. <laughs> so. it, it, um, it changes through the years for sure. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't get easier. And I hate to tell you that too, but <laughs> it doesn't get easier. You know, one of the things, Teresa, that I love about your story and that you're being, how authentic you are about the relationship you had with your son. And I absolutely love it. Something I have a, a great amount of respect for you. I've heard you talk about your son and the appreciation and the respect. One of the things I love about your story is that you were able to see past these little, you know, his, his addiction. And you knew mm -hmm. that his addiction wasn't who he was. No, it doesn't define that, him. <laughs> exactly. You knew Eric the person, Eric mm -hmm. the man, Eric mm -hmm. the son. You know, and, and that's something that I, I absolutely, mm -hmm. I, I love about your story because I feel like there's so many, we, we place labels on almost everything. We figure out what differentiates ourselves. Hey, there's a shout out to Kent Julian. He loves that term. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we figure out what makes people different than what we are, mm -hmm. even our kids. And we use that as a way to step above. And I love that through this, what I can only imagine is an insanely difficult time that there was still that love, respect and appreciation for, for you as a mom. And then for, as a mom, as somebody who, who welcomed him, you welcome him into your home and you know, is, is your son mm -hmm. that you were able to see Eric, the son, yes. not Eric, the, 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 failure eric the mistake maker eric the you know yeah and it wasn't it, matt it wasn't always easy in fact when you know addiction wasn't something we knew anything about nothing and so when we knew for a long time that eric was struggling and we weren't we knew it was something addictive we weren't sure what of course, he hid it for a very long time. And it was a, and a lot of people that listen will know this term, a very highly functioning addict. I mean, yeah. you know, um, and then he wasn't because that's what happens. And uh, so when we first really knew what we were facing and, and he went to treatment for the first time and all of those things, I carried so much shame. I was working in ministry full time. You know, I'm a pastor at a church <laughs> serving on staff as one of the lead pastors at, in a very pretty small town. And, um, you know, I'm like, this isn't my story. You know, I was very much in denial. Dale and I both were, you carry, and then you realize that it really is your story. And, you know, again, back to my faith that God's writing the story, <laughs> um, and that this is exactly where he wants you to be. And that's, again, how I had to learn to be authentic. Dale and I had to learn to be authentic. And as soon as we started sharing our story, so many people within our church, within our community, everywhere were like, oh, now that you've shared with us, let me share with you. Whether it was their own family, their own children, their own marriage, whatever it was, like it lifted this veil of like, 
tell the real truth about things. And so um, it was very, uh, and, and, you know, I know that you've done some prison work, Matt, and worked in that space. We found that, you know, when Eric ended up going to jail multiple times, had multiple felonies before he passed away. And uh, we'd go and we'd be there visiting, you know, we'd be there visiting him and we'd be talking with other families in the waiting room. And we'd be like, these are true. These are real conversations. These are where the real work gets done. This is the real stuff. And we needed them as much as they needed us. And so we've been joking here before we recorded about like this sheltering in place. We're designed to be in community with one another. And we're designed to be in relationship, but when we can't be an authentic community <laughs> where we can talk about the real stuff. Yeah. And so I often say that Eric's story, as hard as it's been, as difficult as it has been, taught me so much about real life. That's why my business is called the real life process is because as you're building businesses with your family included around the real stuff that's going on. It's not all glossy. It's not all what we show on Facebook. It's not all these perfect pictures and this perfect stuff. Um, there's days that I've had to dig really deep and it's why I say every ordinary day has an extraordinary moment. You have to look for it. Because one of the things I, I love about what you do on Facebook every day is you're looking for those extraordinary moments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just incredible. Hey, everyone. It's Jocelyn from Family Life Movement. We are hosting our first ever free challenge. It's going to be five days starting September 14th. It will be on our Facebook group, Family Life Movement. Or you can go to our website to sign up, familylifemovement.com. Hope to see you in there. Thank you for listening to the Family Life Movement podcast. I hope you had as much fun as we did. To hear our thoughts on the podcast and to continue this conversation, join our free Facebook group by searching for the Family Life Movement. See the show notes for links to our guest social media and websites and any resources that were mentioned will also be linked in the show notes. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please go rate and review and send us a screenshot and we will send you a special access gift. Join us next time for more conversations, tips and tricks on growing your business around your family. Thanks for joining us and have a great day.